Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to Grief to Growth Podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, best-selling author, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he is here to help you grow where you've been planted by the difficulties in life. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. It is his sincere hope this episode helps you today. Hey, everybody, this is Brian Smith. I'm back with another episode of Grief to Growth, and I've got with me today Steve Weber and his partner, Kathy Plant. And Steve and Kathy are the co-authors of the book, uh, The Place Between Here and Now, and, or Here and There, I should say, Here and There. And I'm going to read a short bio or short introduction, and then we're just going to have a conversation about uh, their experiences. Uh, Stephen Weber is a technology project manager, and Catherine Plant is a child care worker and Reiki practitioner. And they live in North Point, Long Island, New York, with their uh, precious pups, Marius, a Rottweiler, and Bandit, an Australian Shepherd. They both have 22-year-old daughters that attend university in Connecticut. Steve and Kathy host successful workshops in the place between here and there, which is their book, as I said earlier, accompanied by music and meditation. In their spare time, they enjoy hiking in many beautiful parks in Long Island, doing yoga, running, and cooking. They also enjoy sharing their spiritual enthusiasm by helping kirtans, full moon ceremonies, sound healings, and guided meditations with friends. Steve and Kathy love to hear from the readers and are thrilled to answer all correspondence. So after this, I'll give you information on how you can contact them. So with that, I want to welcome you to Grief to Growth, Steve and Kathy. Thank, Thank you so you. much. We, we really appreciate the, the sharing your time and your audience with us. Um, and uh, thank you. Yeah. Well, it's great to have you here. I know just a little bit about your story. So I want to give you a chance to start wherever you like and tell me about about what how the book came about. Very well. Is that uh, is that I've been a Harley rider all my life, uh, you know, from very young age. Uh, I was riding motorcycles and uh, been a part of my life. And uh, I was driving out east on eastern Long Island. We live in Long Island. And the Eastern is more of a rural community. Mm. So I would occasionally drive out there, have some barbecue and drive back Saturday, uh, Sunday afternoon. And the traffic was backed up for miles. People were driving on the shoulder to like, make a right hand turn in the road ahead. Mm -hmm. And very foolishly, I did the same thing. And, I, and when I got to the intersection, a truck coming in the opposite direction made a left hand turn and T-boned me on my motorcycle. And, uh, the lights went out. I mean, that was, I was, I was out. The next things I knew is that I was flying through the air in a helicopter to, uh, to a trauma center. I recognized it from the air right away with Stony Brook Hospital, one of the premier trauma centers in the United States. I just happened, dumb luck that I lived nearby. 
Mm-hmm. And, and a helicopter could land nearby because there was a school, it was a rural area. And, uh, and wow, they, um, I, was, uh, I was gravely injured. My spine was broken. Uh, I had grave internal injuries. They were immediately life-threatening. I had to operate several times. My hip was shattered. Uh, it's so many injuries. It's like an autopsy report. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing. Uh, the, the things that they did at Stony Brook Hospital is just, uh, they did everything right, but it wasn't just the machines. It was the people, it was the nurses, it was the caring. People really cared. And I mean, that's what I learned later on. That's, what, that's one of the most important lessons you learn in uh, when having these types of experiences. And so, uh, and so uh, I lay in the hospital for, um, for three weeks in a coma, and that's the way I appeared to the rest of the world. But uh, but in myself, I was in a place, a place I call the place between here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, the overall is it's kind of like purgatory, the way I'm a Catholic and the way they kind of taught us what purgatory was. But it's uh, it's not a place of punishment. It's a place of knowledge and enlightenment and uh, preparing you for for completing your journey into spirit. And it was there. I was in this place between here and there, and I was being prepared for the afterlife. And mm-hmm. that's the start of our story. Yeah. And when did this happen, Steve? This happened in, uh, I guess, 2016, uh, four years ago. Oh, wow. Okay. So this is pretty recent. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it, was, um, it was, you know, on so many levels, it's that you would think that it was a terrible thing that happened to me. But by far, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. I wouldn't go back and change a moment of it. But it took me a long time to realize it. Um, when I say I was in a place between here and there, is that, uh, is that it was centered on three important scenes that, it, that were taken from my life where I learned very important lessons. And I was actually tested on that knowledge. The first place was a work-like setting. Mm-hmm. And here was, um, this is where I was taught what I call the, uh, the language of the universe. Or what I later learned to be syncing with the Akashic Record. That means sharing all of your knowledge with the all that is and downloading all the wisdom of the universe that, that, that will help you trans- make this transit into spirit. The Hmm. next thing that happened to me is I had a life review and I reviewed my entire life from forward to back many times, learning each time and growing spiritually and feeling such a sense of bliss each time I reviewed my life. And and I just saw so many things in my experiences that that really brought me just just beautiful, beautiful enlightenment. Hmm. And then finally, I was tested on my knowledge. And uh, and this was what was a test that I failed. Um, and uh, and this test was to determine whether or not I would continue in spirit or return back to Earth to have continued human incarnations. So that was the whole setting in uh, in the place between here and there. Mm-hmm. And uh, and one of the first things that uh, so. So first I was taught what uh, the language of the universe. I was taught 
certain wisdom that I was going to be using. But it wasn't that I was in school that somebody sat down and said, okay, Stevie, now it's time to learn this and blah, blah, blah. No, it wasn't like that. Mm-hmm. It was to see things and feel things. So my inter- internal teacher could see these things and learn them and to help me understand those things. So this is a perfect example of one of the first lessons I learned is that I learned how to see spirit in people. Okay. And so the way I was first introduced to this is that I saw people from my life, people who I knew I saw every day, everything looked fine. We're in a work-like setting. Then I saw people who I hadn't seen in 20 and 30 years and they look just like I remember them. They haven't changed, although many years have passed. And then as time went went on, things started to change. I started to see people who I knew as as teenagers. I might see them as as, uh, elderly people or people who I knew as elderly. I might see them as kids or I might see people, men, as women and women, as men, and all different types of nationalities and and uh, and ethnicities, and and in the end, I was still able to recognize that part about each and every person that is unique to them, regardless of what shape or form they took. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized that I was seeing spirit. That's what I was being taught. That was the first lesson. The, the, to be able to see spirit. And this was, you were taught in, in the first place you said you went to the kind of the, where you were going to the Akashic records and doing the, okay. And so, um, and so uh, that went on for, for quite a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught different things. Like for instance, once I could see spirit and I could feel spirit, all of a sudden I noticed everything around me had spirit. It, it wasn't just people. It was plants. It was animals. Everything had 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 spirit. Hmm. And that spirit was all common. And I began to realize that we're really, we are all connected. We are all connected. We are all part of one consciousness, all of us. Very similar to like cells in a body, how each cell has its own life. It lives, it dies, it, it reproduces, you know, it, it, it has its own life. But all those cells together make up us and we have a consciousness. All of those cells don't know of us and our consciousness. And that's what, what we are. Each of our spirits together, we are all part of the same, the whole. And that's the Holy Spirit. And that's one of another lesson that I learned as mm-hmm. part of that consciousness. Some other lessons were, um, were that, um, that your experiences are so vital to help you learn and grow. And in the next step, that is where I really learned the value of the, of experiences because the first things I learned was the Akashic records, syncing with the Akashic records, mm-hmm. learning the wisdom of the universe. The next place is that I was went through a life review. And this was a very tough and yet beautiful process because that what I did is now I had the benefit of having this wisdom from this uh, sinking of the Akashic record. And secondly, I've already lived through these events throughout my life. So, so now I get to be a voyeur. It's not that I could influence events, but I could see events over and over again, kind of like watching a movie. Mm-hmm. But there was something different about it because now that I could see spirit, 
every situation that I was in in my life was really not what I thought. Because now I could see why everybody was there. They were for different reasons. And and there was a physical reason, like maybe we had a fight in a school uh, yard. So everybody from school after school go, want, wants to watch it. So that might be the physical reason why they're there. Mm-hmm. But once I could see spirit, there was a spiritual reason there, a lesson learned or some something that had to play out within their own life path. And so now I began to realize so many of those experiences that I had that I thought were one thing really was another thing. And there was so much more to it because now I could feel what the other people were feeling. And so now after learning all throughout my life, seeing it all over again, I learned so many more things and I was more blissful at the end than when I started. And one of the first things I learned there is that some of the worst experiences in my life, some of the most heart-wrenching things were some of those experiences that brought me the most bliss when I was doing my life review. Really? All of a sudden, you have all this stuff hanging over you. You have all this hate and animosity towards yourself as well as others. Now, all of a sudden, all those things start to make sense because you start to see other people's perspectives and why people are on different paths. And yet, you, you know, you see things differently. And, and now when I understood those horrible events and they washed away with the wisdom of the meaning of it, all of a sudden it was like, wow, it was beautiful. Mm-hmm. It really was because that you don't feel you know, hate and animosity is something that's so difficult to carry around with you every day, to project that on all of the people, most of the time, people you love. And likewise, to be able to receive that from, from yourself and for others, all that's gone. And that brings bliss. And so that life review went on over and over and over and over again. Each time I learned from it, I learned It was beautiful. I knew it was going to be a tough day every time it started it. But by the end, wow. You know, I wasn't in a rush, but Mm -hmm. you you get addicted to the bliss because it really is. It's just, wow. It's a great, 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 great feeling. And um, and that went, went, went on for so many times because the need, as long as I kept on learning, I kept was in that situation. Very similar to the first place, the first place where I was learning the the Kashuk record, being synced with the Kashuk record and learning the wisdom of the universe. I stayed there as long as I was learning. Once I stopped learning, then I did my life review. When I stopped learning from my life review, then I went to the next phase of this uh, of this uh, beautiful journey. Yeah. And and, uh, and that's a. That's the first place I was in, in the place between here and there, um, where I uh, shared my wisdom, received, and then I did my life reviews. So when you when you transferred from here to there, was there a feeling of leaving your body? Did you go through any or did you just what, did you find yourself there? What were, and what did you think was going on? Did you know you were dead? Stay with us. We'll be right back. 
Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. No, no, I'm telling you, I had no idea. It was, everything was so rooted in my life. I didn't know anything. I didn't even know, although when I was injured, I knew I was in an accident. But when I was here, I didn't know I was in an accident because there was nothing wrong with me. I was just like, I I don't know. It's just like, Mm -hmm. I don't know why I didn't think of it. And, And it's not like I forgot it, but it just didn't occur to me. I don't know. It was just like a continuation of my life. Yeah. And I know a lot of people talk about like walking down or going to a tunnel or, mm-hmm. or seeing a light or thing, things like, like, like that. I didn't experience any of that. It was I was on my motorcycle and the next moment I was in work and I was dealing with the situation. And then I started to see the spirit and stuff. It was just like one second this. This was the next second. That mm-hmm. was it. And was there any perception of time? I mean, you, you said that you went through these things over and over and over again. How did it feel time-wise? Okay. Time is kind of cool there in the sense that there isn't like a sun rising or a sun setting in the, in the way that it does here. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't that this clock's ticking. Like, like, what is time? It's like water boiling on the stove. It's, it's, it's like you turn on the heat. It takes a while. Then it boils. Or you have appointments in the future. Mm-hmm. It isn't like that there. It's that the real measure of time is how much you've learned, the experiences you've gone through. Mm. Because, because you could always think back, it's like, oh, way back when is that I thought this. But but then all these things happen and I experienced these things and now I've grown and now my awareness is here. Wow, I went through a whole lot. That gives you the impression of time. Okay. It's what has happened to you. If you don't do anything, which wasn't the case, I would imagine it would go so slow, like nothing would happen. Mm-hmm. It's like really the, um, the, as much as you learn and grow, that's where the time brings you. Okay. And as you were going through, like, for example, the reviews, were there, were the guides with you were there, or was it you on your own? How was that? How did that work? Not at this time, but, but, but no, that comes into play later on, but no, it was all a solitary thing. Okay. Okay. The the syncing with the record and the life review, I was being prepared for the next important step. And that was to be tested on my knowledge. And, uh, and so that was the second place I was in. Mm -hmm. So I was tested on my knowledge, but I didn't know at the time anything to do with the test. And this is stuff that, after thinking about it and experiencing certain things that, that now I realize it was a test. And, but, but at the time I had no idea. I had no idea that I was on the verge of life and death and that I was being transitioned to be in spirit. Mm-hmm. And I would have been in spirit if it wasn't for all these machines and the caring. But other than, than that, my body thought I was dying. And so I was being prepared for spirit and, um, and so, uh, and so that was the first place. Now the second place I'm being tested and that's tested. What I mean is that if you think about the ascension of your spirit after you pass, is that, is that 
are you going to continue in spirit or are you going to be returned to earth for another incarnation to learn more? Because if it wasn't for my life experiences, I would have nothing to draw upon in the life review. There would be nothing there. Hmm. So the experiences are everything. So, so, so that's why we come to earth to have these experiences. I often say down to earth, but, but it, it, I, that's just a figure of speech. And, mm-hmm. and often I'll talk about days when I speak about that place is that I really don't mean days. It was just like the way people talk. So, sure. I, mm-hmm. so I want to make that. And so in the, in the second place is I was being tested. Uh, what I later learned to either I was going to be in spirit be a spirit guide or continue my evolution to be with the ascended masters and perhaps eventually with the consciousness of the creator. But right now I was being tested on that. So what, what I was being tested is I had, I was in charge of a group of kids, uh, young adults, and I was there to teach them a task. And, um, and no matter what I did, they wouldn't listen to me. Hmm. It would feel like I was connecting with them. I really would. I would feel it like, like, Hey, it's you and me, you know, come on guys, let's do it. Kind of like coach Steve, you know, you know, it's, it's just like, and I feel like I'd connect with them and then they'd go and they'd run off. And then, and then I'd be held accountable for that. Hmm. And, and I was just trying, and I tried every bit of little manipulating tactics. I know I tried bribing them. I tried one team against the other team. Like I tried all these little inspirational Tactics I know from sports or from work or from other things, you know, when, when you're trying to get a team together, nothing worked. Hmm. And finally, um, finally, I was I, at my wits end. I went back to the person who was in charge of me. And I realized as I stood before them, I realized I was looking into my higher self, that 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 my higher self, that I was just part of that. And then I felt hmm my higher self's awareness. And then all of a sudden, everything, my perception of everything changed. As I realized is that, is that I wasn't there to prepare those kids to do a task. That really, those were spirits who have yet to have an incarn- a human incarnation. And I was there to prepare them for their first human incarnation. Hmm. That's what I failed at because that I didn't see them as spirits. I was taught how to see spirit. And the first chance I get, I only see them as dopey kids who wouldn't listen. Uh And then I tried to manipulate them instead of seeing their spirit and understanding and making that connection. And that is where I failed at. But, but eventually I succeeded because that with the help of this wisdom, but I didn't do it myself. Okay. And, uh, and I think that, uh, that if I did, if I was successful, I think perhaps I would have stayed in spirit for forever or for a time, because mm-hmm. that if, I think if, if that was the case, I think I was going to be a spirit guide. That's what, you know, that was the next step in my spiritual evolution for those who, who are in physical incarnation. Mm-hmm. But, but I wasn't ready because that, I, I didn't see it. And then, um, but, but there was something very interesting in that place is that, is that there was a lady there who was always praying and I didn't understand it because I wasn't a spiritual person. I kind of looked like prayer. It kind of like I did it because, you know, we, 
we, we pray before we eat, you know, I, yeah. I did, it wasn't like, I, I, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I was feeling from this lady's prayers is that I couldn't hear her prayers, but I felt such a love and such an energy that it was, it, it drove me, you know, it, you know, in the, some of the challenges that I was there, I couldn't hear her words, but, but her energy through her prayers is that that's what helped driving me. And that's something I learned a little bit later on what the significance of that is. Hmm. And then uh, finally, um, finally, that was the end of that place. As soon as, uh, as soon as I was successful in helping the kids transition to their, to their next spiritual phase to have the human incarnation. Now I was at the final place before I eventually returned back to, uh, to my physical state of mind. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, um, when you were going through this, this test, was you, were you aware that it was a test or? Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. No, no, I wasn't. Um, and even at the end of it, I wasn't aware it was, was a test. I thought I was just doing tasks. And at this time, I mean, you would think that I would think at this point that, that Stevie, you're not in Kansas anymore. <laughs> like, like, like I expect like, no, it just didn't occur to me. I, I don't know why. Yeah. You know, it wasn't until the very end that that it occurred to me that that something's going on here. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wasn't until till, till the very end, and uh, and that's uh, and that's where we are right now. In this yeah. Experience. So you were apparently were sent back at some point. So tell me about how that happened. I'm sorry. I. I don't, I'm not sure I understand your question. Well, you were you were sent back from that place. You said oh, you, you yes. so you're you're back here. So how did that? Tell me how that transition happened. <laughs> so true. <clears throat> okay. So then I was in. I live in a, a town on Long Island. Mm-hmm. Uh, very, um, you know, it's a very small community, but but it's it's an old fashioned community. Like everyone knows each other. And, uh, and at the end of every day, we, you know, half the town goes to the water to watch the sunset. We call it the bluff. And, uh, and some people drink coffee. Other people like drink out of red solo cups yeah. and stuff. And, and they watch the sunset. So, so when I was in that place, I, I had a similar scene that, that I did over and over again with two old friends of mine, Joe and John. They were, they were old Kings Parkers. That's the town I live in. Mm-hmm. And they were in their 80s. And, uh, and we would drink coffee and we'd watch the sunset at the end of every day when I was there. I used the term day, you know, we, we talked yeah. about mm-hmm. just very loosely. And, um, and uh, this went over, over and over many times over again. And it wasn't... And then finally, I thought to myself, is Joey and Johnny, Joe and John are both dead? Like, how could they be here? Hmm. 
you know, and and that was what, what was it. And so it kept on going over and over again, seeing them and watching the sunset. And I wanted to ask them why they were here. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of, I was starting to feel like an anxiety for the first time because that I was feeling like something big was going to happen soon. And, and as each time I saw them, I don't know why I didn't want to ask them. I'm thinking in my own mind, you know, I'm just starting to think this. I'm not a hundred percent sure, mm-hmm. but, um, but I'm starting to think because perhaps I was, I was, I was very blissful at this point, and perhaps I was concerned that maybe the bliss would stop, like like it wasn't allowed. I I don't know. These are all things that that I just don't know. And I was yeah. it was all in my mind. Nobody said anything. It's all in the you know the universe according to Stevie. You know, I don't yeah. I don't I, I don't know. But um, but so so. So then finally, I felt if I didn't ask him now, I would never get this opportunity ever again. Mm-hmm. And so uh, so I finally asked them what they were doing here. And they said, they're here to make sure I'm all right. Hmm. And that kind of echoed in my mind because I, I didn't feel like anything was wrong with me. Yeah, yeah. You know, because I felt fine. But, but this whole experience was very odd. And so it was all getting to me at the same time. And and then, uh, and then as we watched the sunset, just got brighter and brighter and brighter. And then when I, I couldn't stand it, I closed my eyes. When I opened my eyes again, I was in my hospital room and my mom was, was, was there and she was telling me that I was in an awful accident. And, and, uh, and that was me returning back to, to, to my physical state. But it wasn't until I started to recover. I couldn't walk. I was in a very, very, very bad state mm. that, um, that my spine was broken. I had all these pins and screws in my hip. And, you know, I've been out for three, three weeks. I was, I was, I was pretty beefy guy before. Now I look like Kathy says a plucked chicken, you know, (laughs) you know, I wasn't too, uh, too good, but then I started to, you know, through my rehabilitation, I had such a drive to get better that, that I'd often feel this energy. And it was then I realized Joe and John, Joe <laughs> broke his neck when he was a kid at the bluff and he, oh. and he had his back fused the whole time is, is in his life and would walk around kind of like Frankenstein. He was a funny guy. You know, he, he made a lot of fun with, with it. It was a good soul. Mm-hmm. And then uh, John, he was a diabetic and he, and his leg got all infected and he died from, from that, you know, when he was an old man, uh, oh. older person. Yeah. And I had problems with my back. I, I had a broken back and my leg was in pieces. And it wasn't then I realized that they were there to be my spirit guides to help me through going through this process because that I didn't, I didn't have them in my ear saying, Stevie, come on, work harder, Stevie, you know? No, but I felt their energy same way as I felt the energy of the lady praying is mm. that I felt their energy and I felt their wisdom by having a having the same experiences and that's what what they meant that that i would i would i would see you later that that that's that's that 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 they were here to make sure that i was okay now now it made sense and uh but that lady i remember that lady now because because that lady now I could see spirit and now I'm awake and I'm starting to come to my senses again. Mm-hmm. I know who that lady was. Hmm. It was my dear friend, Kathy. 
Oh, okay. I knew it. This lady right here, my Kathy, my co-author, is that is that we were just friends at that time. But but she was always a little kooky. <laughs> you know, because she, she would talk about these spirit things sometimes because we, we, we were like moms together. Like I was a stay-at-home dad, so all my friends were, were moms and she was one of my mom friends. And she would uh, and she would sometimes talk about spiritual things. I wasn't spiritual at all. Hmm. But, uh, but it, I felt her prayers. That's interesting. And as, yeah. soon as, I, as soon as I got my wits together, I said, I had to, I had to call her. I want to talk to her uh-huh. and tell her about my experience. So the first things I did is I, I got my phone as soon as I was untied and I, and I texted her and I got my text. <laughs> yes, I did. So Kathy, he you were friends for a while. And then when he um, had the accident, it was very devastating for me. We were friends about 16 years. Mm-hmm. So I, um, I did the only thing I could do. I wasn't next to kin. I couldn't go into the hospital. So I said, based on my knowledge of spirit and having lived through my mom's premature passing and my twin brother's premature passing and learning to communicate with spirit because I, I needed that connection to stay alive. Hmm. I knew that where Steve was, was a place where, although he wasn't in his physical self, he was his spiritual self back in our spiritual home. So through, through like my mind, I could connect to him. Hmm. So I said to him in my head every day, I said, Steve, I need you to come back. Everyone needs you to come back. I'm going to pretend that I'm in the hospital room with you because I can't be in there. I'm holding your hand. And we're going to pray the St. Jude prayer. We'll get back to grief to growth in just a few seconds. Did you know that Brian is an author and a life coach? If you're grieving or know someone who is grieving, his book, Grief to Growth, is a best-selling, easy-to-read book that might help you or someone you know. People work with Brian as a life coach to break through barriers and live their best lives. You can find out more about Brian and what he offers at www.grieftogrowth.com www.grief, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H dot com, or text GROWTH, G-R-O-W-T-H, to 31996. If you'd like to support this podcast, visit www.patreon.com slash grief to growth, www.patreon dot com slash G-R-I-E-F, the number two, G-R-O-W-T-H, to make a financial contribution. And now back to grief to growth. Which was what was very meaningful to me. Now, this isn't a religious thing. I mean, there's all paths lead to one destination, but this is the, the saint with whom I resonated. And then I did this every day. And three weeks later, I get a text from him and he says, hi, Kath, it's Steve, I'm okay. Wow. Thank you for visiting me when I was out out. If you know what I, if you, if you know what I mean. And I, I was just like, so excited. And I <laughs> typed back and I said, you mean, you know, and he said, let's just say I've been to a place where I know that everyone is connected, but that you and I have a connection that goes beyond this earth. And I learned all about life. And I'd like to share that with you. So I went to the hospital the next day and, it was just amazing the things that he learned and it's just it makes life blissful i mean there's so much wisdom 
Hmm. And what people need to know is that there is an eternity to life. There is a continuation of consciousness. So when our loved ones pass, our pets pass, they're, they're in spirit, they're in an eternal home and we can connect to them. And, and that's just, once you get rid of that fear that we're no longer connected to those and that there is really no death, then you could just relax and know that you will see them again. And, and there's a connection that love never dies. It changes form, but it never dies. Love and life are eternal. And that was a very valuable lesson. And it, he's back and I'm so grateful. <laughs> Most of the times, except if I uh, yeah. leave my socks on the floor, then, then yeah, this morning <laughs> I was slightly less grateful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we, we know who that is. <laughs> well, it was it was just a very um, yeah you know I, I definitely it it was it was definitely a uh, a connection that went beyond this world yeah but 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 for a long time as I put it aside is that is that I was so wrapped up in trying to get better is that I I stopped talking about it and Kathy didn't push me on it too much because mm-hmm. I was convinced that this experience was the drugs they gave me like like the sedatives or or perhaps I was dreaming I didn't think it was real mm-hmm. and a couple of times that I that I uh shared some parts with Kathy Kathy would get real excited about it and tell me how it's how it's real and I would I would think she was kind of kind of kooky about the whole thing I just thought it was just a trippy kind of thing I was there how could it be trippy <laughs> I don't know I don't know well but, I think that's that's really um uh not uncommon for people to try to rationalize. And when you mentioned the drugs or a dream, I mean, a lot of people talk about near death experiences and even, even doctors will try to explain it away with lack of oxygen to the brain or the drugs or, you know, stuff like that. Um, But how was the experience to, did did it feel, because how did it feel to you when you were in that experience? I felt extremely blissful all the time. I felt, I didn't see like, like people speak of perhaps seeing, divinity and other things is I didn't see any of that. It was all that, but it was a framework around everything is that it was an energy that I felt like a love, you know, I, but, yeah. but, but it's, it's deeper than, than, than that. It's a, it's a love of action and about, it's more than a feeling. It's a, it's a wisdom. Like, like love is wise because, because it's like, the expression of love is 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 like the law of attraction. Yeah, you, know, you know, the more you love and the more you put positivity and things around you, the more your world changes because that you're putting out a different vibe. It's 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 different, and that's what I felt there. The idea is, as I learned, is that is that you felt more evolved and and spiritual and and. It was a beauty. Like I often wondered, like if all this BS about heaven is true, you know, before I had this experience, mm-hmm. is that I'd be bored. Oh, I'd be bored. Well, what am I going to do? Sit, sit around, hang out the clouds all day, and play uh, play harps and stuff? Like, yeah. like, what? What would it be? At least for me, this is what this experience was. So earlier you said it. This was kind of like purgatory. So kind of like an in between place. Do you think this is heaven, or is this like a place that leads to heaven, or how would you how would you put that? I would say all of the above. Okay. <laughs> what I mean by that is that uh, is that I think it's preparing you to be in spirit. Mm-hmm. The only reason why I was alive was because that they had these machines that were keeping me alive, and in the past. 
you wouldn't have access to this type of medical care because did they work these miracles, even putting my leg back together? I could walk now. Mm-hmm. And uh, and they work these miracles. And but but it's more than enable you to survive. It's that my brain wasn't damaged. Like, like I still have my cognitive abilities. And so, and so in the past, that was very rare. I believe that going forward, more and more people will have these types of experiences because of these medical procedures and advances and the availability of this type of care. But uh, there's a doctor, I think his last name is Parnell. I, I, I should know that better by now, but uh, he's a cardiac surgeon over at, at, uh, at uh, Stony Brook Hospital where they had the surgery for me. And uh, I never met him, but I saw him on a podcast where he was discussing a book and he was saying that, uh, that uh, the idea of these life-saving medical technologies is going to bring more of these types of uh, uh, experiences that people talk about. And really we are missing a very, very big component as a society that, that we really need to begin to document this, this information, but from a medical standpoint, just as a part of your documenting your history, you know, mm-hmm. what did you experience as a part of like the outpatient procedure? So I thought, uh, you know, I, I, I thought that to be, um, you know, I, I, it made a lot of sense to me that that it was the machines that kept me going. Yeah. And, and one of the reasons I asked you that question, I've, I've talked to several people that have had near-death experiences. And my working theory is that it is kind of a place in between. I don't, I, and, and a lot of times in near-death experience, we'll hear about a barrier, for example. People will say, I knew there was a place I couldn't go beyond. There was, a, there was a wall, there was a gate, there was a river I couldn't cross or something. So it seems to be like it might be a, an in-between kind of preparatory place and maybe even, as you said, maybe a place of decision. Uh, and I've never quite heard it put the way you did. It's kind of like, well, I either come back to this physical life, I come back reincarnated, or maybe I move forward to being a spirit guide or something. It's the first time I've heard someone put it that way. Um, it took a long time to, to, to adjust to that. Mm-hmm. Because like I wasn't a spiritual person at all, and and Kathy had a lot to do with it, and then uh, and then uh, well, is that uh, is that I was well into my rehabilitation. You know, Kathy was was there all the time, and uh, and she was like Sergeant Slaughter and Mother Teresa. You, you know, sometimes she'd beat on me, other <laughs> times she would just be kind and supportive. And I had Joey and John as my spe- I felt their energy. Life was. Moving on, I was starting to feel really good about things. Mm-hmm. And then and then my 20-year-old son died of a drug overdose. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Heroin overdose. Yeah. This this kid was the light of my life. Yeah. I, I was a stay-at-home dad. I mean, that that's how I knew Kathy and all the other moms. And and he was a musician. He was he played Jimi Hendrix like Jimi Hendrix. He played Mozart like Mozart on the on the on the piano. And he and he played the saxophone like Dizzy Gillespie played the song horn. He was great. Wow. And he was a championship wrestler, New York State champion. He was on a scholarship. He was just you know all these wonderful things, and it just happened so fast. You know, it it just it was devastating. I just, I got into this funk and I just couldn't shake it. And, um, and Kathy, I'd go on these walks with, with, with Kathy and I really wouldn't talk about, I just like being in her presence and I felt a certain energy and, 
And I began to think about things a little bit more about, about the place between here and there. And I wasn't sharing it a lot with, with, with her, but, but it was just, wow. So when, I'm sorry, what did I interrupt you? When did this happen? This happened, uh, the accident was in 2015 okay. and uh, I lost my son in 2016. Oh, okay. So you were you were probably still recovering, I would think, physically at that point. Yes, yes, I was still, and Kathy was helping me all all along the way through okay. experience, and uh, yeah, it was just it was it was it was just such a difficult experience. Is you know, I kept on thinking to myself, was it me? You know, you know, how did I screw up? You know, I was a biker. You know, I like to drink beer and ride my Harley, eat hot wings and and stuff. But I was a fully involved parent. I mean, yeah. I was my 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 son and my daughter would often tell me, why can't I be do parent things and leave them alone? You know, you know, like I was always in their hair. You know, mm-hmm. I was always involved. And um, and then to miss out on the weddings and the birthdays and the grandchildren. And then, and then did I bring this about? Like, like you have all these thoughts of deep regret and, yeah. and blame and everything else. And then, uh, and then one day when I was working through this, Kathy turns around and says, Nick is my son's name. Mm-hmm. Is that Kathy turns around and says, did Nick ever try to contact you from spirit? Mm-hmm. I thought this woman was freaking nuts. I really did. Is that is that I'm sitting here grieving and, and I'm looking to it. And she was really my my, my best friend, you know, really. You know, although as a guy and girl, you know, it's tough to when, when all your friends are women and moms and stuff, you know, it's tough to imagine in this world. But 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 no, no, she was my dear friend. Mm-hmm. For her to say this, I almost felt I was almost felt pissed at her because it didn't seem real. Like, oh, oh, my son's going to talk to me now. And uh, and she backed off right away. And so but but I didn't say a lot. I just kind of went went with the flow because I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be that way. Yeah. And so um, but but the next thing is I know is she's dragging me around to all these trails where we go on. She's leaving little statues of St. Teresa and we're and we're writing stones of prayers. We're putting them down and then we're we're leaving the. The, the pen there so so the next day we would come back there'd be more prayers there hmm. and, and it was almost like well, like we'd go to this shrine this day this, this shrine the next day and each day there were more there were more prayer stones there and that was the first time that I started to really feel some relief from from the grief that I was experiencing mm-hmm. because that all of a sudden it's like that old sting song where he talks about the message in the bottle and and all the bottles showing up on the shore like 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 you're not alone in this world everyone has problems and everyone has heartbreak and just knowing like I was all of a sudden I started to feel that connection again that I mm-hmm. felt in the place between here and there that all of a sudden like I was starting to feel that spirit but 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 I really you know, I really didn't share it too much with, with with Kathy occasionally because it was like giving red meat to a dog. You know, <laughs> she would stop. You know, she she was already having me praying and doing all of this stuff, and then um, and then we start to see these signs and uh, and Kathy. <laughs> well, he was very hesitant to believe me that there was an ability to communicate with spirit, which was made me just shocked because. We communicated when he was in spirit. Yeah, so yeah. 
see this now, but it was my he just he was just living in his lower chakras, his ego, which you know everyone does. Mm-hmm. So um, <laughs> some more than others. So when I started doing what I do best again, which is the praying and trying to connect and and seeing all these signs around us that I felt Nick's presence. You know, we were finding roses everywhere we were going, and I'm like, Steve, this this means something. You don't just find roses. It'd be roses on a trail, roses at the beach, roses everywhere. Mm. And it was the anniversary of his son's passing. And I said, you know, he's contacting us. Mm. And he was just like, you are crazy. And I knew I wasn't. (laughs) So um, it wasn't until his cousin went to visit a very well-known local psychic and the psychic, um, when she went to go contact her grandmother but nick was like i'm taking this opportunity to go through the psychic to give a message and he said um she said to the psych to my to his cousin there's a nick that's coming through and he um do you know who that is and his cousin was like of course i know who it is yeah let him come through Mm -hmm. and she said nick is saying that he has a synchronicity with saint Teresa, and he's sending the roses Oh, okay. And and I, I thought like, oh, I had Steve now. Once he hears this, he's going to be like so excited. And he still didn't. He still chalked it up to, well, it's a coincidence. And I know, I know. It's, it sounds kind of, you know, in hindsight, yeah. it sounds like I should have known, like like I should have known in that place. But but it just, it was too hokey pokey for me. You know, I'm still yeah. in terms with, with things. I'm a computer guy. So two plus two equals four. Yeah. I've got to ask you. I just have to say one thing. When we later found out, and this was um, this was the aha moment, Mm -hmm. was that Nick and Saint Teresa shared a birthday. They both were born on January second, and Nick passed on the day that Saint Teresa was canonized, which is May seventeenth. So when I found that out, and I I just excitedly brought that information to Steve. And I was like, Steve, you know, he said he has a synchronicity with St. Teresa. He said he's sending the roses to let you know that he's okay. <laughs> and these, those are the synchronicities, the birthday and the passing date. And then he was like, well, maybe there is something to this. So he finally was starting to see the connection. And once that aha moment happened and he thinking. opened his awareness to all of that, okay. Then the signs started coming left and right. I mean, we, ever since then, he is just a sign machine. Like, <laughs> we are connecting with this loved one, that one love, this saint, that saint, that angel, Saint Michael. Just, there is just this magic that once you open that spiritual door and you allow that beauty, that connection, I mean, we, the, the veil gets thinner when you make that realization. Mm-hmm. And then you get signs not only from your loved ones, but you get signs on how to live your life, like what what to do. You, you're struggling with whether you should go down this road or this road, and you, you'll see left written somewhere, and you know to go left. I mean, it just it's just such a beautiful thing when you open that spiritual door. And once he did that, then life just became better. He knew Nick was okay. He knew that there was a continuation of life, and mm-hmm. that. It was just magic. I mean, life has been magical ever since. Hmm. Well, it was it was really is that it, the aha moment was an aha mo- moment for opening the doors to think about it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Is that uh, and it wasn't like like just 
an epiphany. It was a process. Now, like Kathy says, it's once I start to think about it, and then I start to think that maybe Nick is in the place where I was, and he was feeling the things that I was feeling, mm-hmm. that if that place is real, and Nick is feeling those things, that he's all right, he's happy, he's learning, he's growing, he's realizing his his true self, his higher self in this world, in this universe. And and that brought me peace. And now that understanding actually brought my son back to me because that anytime I thought of my son up until that point, I thought of him passing, especially dying of a heroin overdose and just me not knowing and my responsibility and everything else is that mm. all of a sudden is that, is that no, no, he's okay. You know, we, we're all going to be okay. We're all going to be together. And this isn't the end. And that he's feeling that bliss. And now I got him back because now I, I don't think about the circumstances of his death. I yeah. think about all the happy times and him holding the trophies over his head or him playing the saxophone and people like stopping in the street and looking at him or just all these things. I had I got that back yeah. by giving up the grief. Because grief's a process, at least for me. Grief is a process, but it wasn't until I was able to give that up that I got the memory of my son back. And that's what I wanted second. I want my son back, number one. But if not that, is I want the happiness when I thought of him back. And as soon as I was able to understand that life is eternal, that that place is real, and that he's going on to his beautiful, his beautiful higher self and the rest of his spiritual existence that that wow it's okay yeah so it sounds to me that um so you had this experience and you up until your next passing maybe even you didn't think it was real right you didn't really put together the meaning to it you just, did you just talk it up to a dream or, or hallucination or well both of those things. Mm-hmm. But really, I was so preoccupied with getting better. Yeah. I to, that was like, ah, uh, you know, I woke up every morning in pain. I was excited because I it was a great opportunity for improvement. I would say that all the time to, mm-hmm. to Kathy and I started to go to yoga. And every time I couldn't do something, I would be like, wow, what a great opportunity for improvement. And that's kind of like, like, like the attitude I think I felt from my spirit guides, Joe and yeah. John. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, and that I was just so wrapped up in it. It wasn't until, you know, really losing my son that it really caused me to really dig down deep and really like, I had to face it. I was kind of like, put it out of my mind and Kathy wasn't pushing it on me, uh, pushing me too much on it, yeah. but, but it was still there. And like in my own mind, it's a lot of times when I would uh, say little things to Kathy, I would, I would end it with, oh, the universe according to Steve. You know, you know it's, it, it, I didn't talk about it as a place. As I talked about it, I made fun of myself all the time about it. But mm-hmm. after a while, there was little bits of knowledge in there that kind of like took me by surprise. Like, did I just say that? <laughs> like, it was, it was weird. It was I mean, like, like a lot of things were, but were weird about it. But, but it's just that, you know, when we, when we finally decided to tell the story and to share it with, with people, that was a process too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I expected uh, people who were interested in near death experiences to, um, 
to like be very interested in the book. And they are, I mean, they definitely are, but it's people recovering from grief mm. that uh, those are the people who we get very long letters from. And we try to reach out and talk to talk, real talk with, with, with just about as many people as we, we, we can, not mm. as therapists. We're not therapists. We are just parents having lost a child. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, and that uh, it's it's a shared experience, a club that no one wants to belong to. But but knowing, leaving that sorrow behind of losing a child or somebody who's close to you, that that it does. It's liberating. It gets your it gets your child back to you or your loved one because you could think of the happy times. And that that really was the greatest gift is, is that you lifted from the fear of death, not only for yourself, but for others. Because yeah. if you think about those things that worry people the most is the fear of death or of, of themselves or their loved ones. And now with this health crisis that's going on in the world today and everything else, people are really worried. And to relieve people of that fear of death is that your experiences are everything. You, you, you don't want to be in spirit now because you are, you are alive and you are getting experiences. You want to get the most of experiences. But when your time comes, it's going to be blissful. It's not about puffy clouds and white angels with the harps and everything else. It's not like, like you're sitting around and being bored. It's a beautiful thing. It's the highest high. It's the most love. It's, it's all of these things. And, uh, and once you feel that and you make it real, all of a sudden, everything's okay. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as I listened to you talk and you were saying that maybe I should have known this or known that. And uh, I, I interviewed PMH Atwater, who studied near-death experiences probably more than anybody. And adults take somewhere, usually an average between four and seven years to integrate a near-death experience. Children's even longer. So it's not unusual for someone to take a you know a while to really grasp what they went through. They they've kind of got the the raw data, but as far as putting it together and any any sort of information to understand what it means. And for you, it sounds like it was kind of triggered by you know, Nick's passing, which kind of accelerated your integration of it, right? So then now you've got to you know figure it out. So um, it's really interesting, I think, how that how that played out in your life. And also, I think. The fact that I was a believer, a lot of people don't share their story because they feel fear that people will judge them and think they're crazy. Mm-hmm. And I was the one that was kind of extracting it out of yeah. him. Like, no, oh, this is okay. This is real. I mean, I read these books. I'm, I'm like, after my mom and my brother passed away, I power read every book. Life after life, heaven is for real. Like on death and dying. Like I was just like a sponge for knowledge because when you lose that person, you want to know that everything is okay. You want to connect. So once he and I started talking, it was just like, I saw like everything that he learned is what I read in books. This is real. Yeah. And and I urged him, I said, you got to tell the story. You could help people. He could. And, and he didn't want to, because he's like, you know, people studies this for so long. And I wasn't a spiritual person. I just was lucky enough to survive and come back. And I said, no, but you have to tell people because not only did you learn this beautiful wisdom, I mean, in the book, you'll see that there are 13 like really profound lessons learned from the other side. Mm -hmm. After losing your son and still being able to feel bliss because you know where he is. I mean, that's like, that needs to be shared. 
yeah. need to know this because everyone grieves terribly. We all are going to lose somebody at some point and it is a debilitating feeling. So if you could share that wisdom, it's going to help so many people. And it is, I mean, once the book came out and we do workshops and talk to people and YouTube videos and all that, people are really responding positively. And it's so heartwarming that we could give that gift to people. Yeah. Tell me about your workshops. I'm I'm interested to hear. You said, I heard this, you do host curtains, full moon ceremonies, sound healings, guided meditations. So tell me about these things. Um, all of those are, are just for our friends. <laughs> we have people over our house all the time. Oh, okay. okay. And most of the time is that is that we'll meet people at uh, at public events and we'll invite these people, complete strangers. I mean, we, we it's a small community, the mm-hmm. spiritual community, so people mm-hmm. know each other. And okay. we'll come to the house and we'll and we'll we're all musicians, and so we'll all play music and we'll do curtains, we'll sing and. Kathy likes to dance and we'll have a whole house full of people just singing and dancing and having a great time. And then we'll uh, do something like, like, like we'll make like Reiki ones out of beach class. I mean, it sounds silly to, to like talk about it, but we just have so much fun doing this. And it's, and it's old people, it's young people, people from all different backgrounds. And you just share the idea of spirituality. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's really important for us, especially with the young people, because that, when I was in that place is I was responsible for shepherding these young people, you know, to have a human incarnation. And now when we invite people, you know, about half of it is usually young people that, Mm -hmm. um, that I want them to know, like, like if I was to be able to share one experience that I learned from that place, that's made the most difference in my life is that ethics and spirituality are an asset in your life now. They aren't a hindrance. A lot of times people think like ethics and spirituality is a hindrance. Like, like if you're an ethical pe- person, oh, you're leaving money on the table. Oh, you could have got that. You could have got that. Mm-hmm. But, but, but no, when you bring ethics to your work, it's the law of attraction. You begin to, to not only send great vibes into the universe, but you start to surround yourself and with events that are very positive. You know, you create your own reality by by the way you behave. It's the law of attraction. And so and so the ethics are key to that. And then also the ability to use the spirit in your everyday work. You can use, everyone can, has intuition, though that part of you, which you can feel the energy in people, to use that in your everyday life. Like if you're in a business meeting, instead of seeing the kids as kids, see the spirit in people. And so when I'm in a business meeting is I try to connect with everyone's spirit to find out why they are there. What's the motivating, what's the physical reason, but what's the physical, uh, the spiritual reason. And mm-hmm. over time as I get better at this, but now I create an environment that's collaborative as opposed to dog eat dog. And then the whole benefit to everybody and you as a person, as a spirit is so much raised because of the ethics and so, and the spirituality. And so this is the message that that we try to send to the kids when we're with them. And, uh, and that, that, that you could be spiritual, but you don't have to be poor, you know, yeah, you know, or, or not have assets or not have, you know, it, you can be that. You just have to make those intelligent choices to to really be able to make a difference in that in this world, to mm-hmm. realize that the spirit is good. Ethics is good. 
those are assets in, in your life. And so, um, and so that's a very long answer to a short question. But yeah, we do workshops, we do. You asked about the workshops. Right. Mm-hmm. And we've been, we've been doing them locally where we just, we talk about the book, we discuss it, we have a question and answer session, we do a sound healing, we do a little crystal um, um, crystal reading and mm-hmm. an angel card reading just to make it fun. And it's been very well received. We've gone to yoga centers. We've gone to the historical societies and we were branching out. And then the, um, the health crisis hit us. So we yeah. kind of took a seat back for a little while, but we have bookings in, in other States and stuff coming up and we've done a couple of zoom kind of things. So we're just trying to bring forth that message to everyone because when, you know, we're all individual consciousnesses on earth, but collectively we have a consciousness. So not only should we work on our own consciousness, but as we do that, we raise the collective. Mm-hmm. So we want to share this gift with everybody and just bring this, this earth to a higher um, awareness so that we can transcend what's negative and fearful and anxiety produced in this world and just bring everyone to a higher level of consciousness. Really, by uh, but but being positive and sharing it with other people. You know, you, you ever you ever worked for a boss who's a real you know what? And like mm-hmm. everybody on the team is really upset and backbiting, and it's like a negativity. That's that's the energy that someone puts out. He has authority as well, but but that's the energy as opposed to the environment where where people are very happy and they're all working together and life is good. That's because they're putting out that energy in the same way in that environment. If you put out that energy into the world, it's going to come back to you, but it's going to spread. Other people are going to take that in their life and then they're going to bring that energy to people in their life and world. Mm-hmm. And uh Especially now, because people are afraid, you know, to be able to give that comfort by living that positive life. It's not about book reading. It's not about just just on Sundays, you'll be spiritual. It's about every day. And that's an asset. It's beautiful. We have a good time. We everyone once in a while, we'll have some drinks and we just we, 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 we just we just live life and we're going to get every experience we can. I'm going to go skydiving. I'm going to ride the back of Fu Manchu, the bull for 10 seconds. I'm going to do everything I can to get as much experience. And Kathy's going to make it her job to stop me and make sure. <laughs> yeah, really. You keep I want a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. Do you still ride? You know, are you riding motorcycles anymore? No. <laughs> I am. Um, no, but, but it is a big part of my life. And, and mm-hmm. Kathy and I, we, we, we talk about this. It's still in discussion. Yeah. Uh, but it's not in discussion. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave it at that. But, uh, yeah. but, but, but I do love riding horses and that's tends to find the, you know, fill that void. Uh, Cause I just love horses. They're beautiful spirit animals. And um, they are uh, our friend who had horses has moved away, but, but, but we're going to find something after this health crisis is over with, we're going to find another barn and, we're going to go horseback riding because that is a lot of fun too. And it also helps in the recovery because it's about stabilizing your back and making small adjustments. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, so we're looking forward to that as well. Well, um, it's, it's really interesting talking to you, Steve, because it's, I can, you know, as I hear you tell your story and you're, 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 big evangelist for this now. And I can hear you saying how you've transformed and, 
you know, I, and I kind of look at Kathy and I kind of wonder if Kathy's your spirit guide here in, in flesh um, <laughs> to be there to kind of, you know, kind of pull you along yes. and say, okay, you had this experience. Here's where, here's what you experienced. Yeah, I get a little pushed once in a while. Well, she, uh, like I said, and she punches like a man. So I really have to watch <laughs> out with her, but, uh, but, but I think you're right too, because that, uh, you know, but I think it's like a two way street because mm-hmm. that, yeah. you know, she's, she, she's very much, uh, you know, but I bring other things to, and that's why I think like writing this book is that, is that the two of us, I think it's like a meant to be, be uh, obviously it's a meant to be, but, uh, but we complement each other so well on so many levels. And so, so she did provide that, that, but, but also I gave the realness to, to a lot of things she thought about and right, you know, right. I'm more, she, 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 she's more school person. I'm a more, you know, out and doing person. And the two of us together, we help each other grow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've, you've got the experience to kind of push the, the flesh on, on the bones. I, I'm, I'm the person who studied a lot of this stuff too. Kind of, I think similar yeah. to you, Kathy, but I haven't had any of these experiences. So for me, it's all a matter of hearing or reading what someone else else is done. And I think you're right to the two of you together, bring, bring that. And the other thing, you know, Steve is, is, you know, people talk about the near death experience. One of the, one of the outcomes of a near death experience is people become transformed. They become like a different person. And I, and I'm, and I'm just gathering from having this hour long conversation with you that you're a different person than you were four or five years ago. If, if the person five years ago met the person today, he'd beat the crap out of them. I'm telling you, he would, he would. And and also that's also a comforting thought in the sense that, that now every time I look back six months, I think what a fool I was, you know, and that means I'm growing. And that's also one, one of those things that, that you take with your, your openness and your willingness to find fault in yourself it's a little tougher when Kathy points the things out to me, but, <laughs> but, but especially when I find them in myself, you know, the, the growth is good and it feels good. Yeah. And there were, um, you had like 12 universal truths that you learned. So let's just go over some of those briefly while we've got a few more minutes here. Um, the first uh, universal truth we, we spoke about was that every, every, uh, that everything has a spirit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we spoke about that transition. And then we, the creator and the creation are one. Mm, okay. And and that's just what I felt. And I know other people feel differently, but 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 it's what I felt when I was there is that is that we, we talked about cells in your body, is that is that I think that's why we are here in human incarnation, is because just as I was preparing those kids to have a human incarnation is that your spirit has always been here for eternity and it will always be here forever. It's, it's part of the universe, but your spirit grows and develops through different incarnations mm-hmm. over a period of time. And that as we are all connected, all of us together are all part of the creation. Everything, everything has a spirit and the creation and the creator are all part of the everything. The creator and the creation are one. And so and so that was a very liberating thought or truth that I came to because that it gives why are we here as we grow and develop our group consciousness, the creator and the creation consciousness grows. This is why there are so many of us. And that's why we're in spirit, why we have these trials and tribulations, why the why the earth is 
perfect the way it is because it's not a perfect place. It is this place to learn and to grow. So, um, so the idea that the creator and the creation are one is, uh, is another uh, point. Uh, another point is that don't have hater animosity towards anybody or yourself. Not because you're such a highly evolved person and like, oh, I'm so wonderful. I don't, I don't judge anybody. No, because that's the way it is. Because that's the truth. Is because when I was going through my life review, is that I, um, the worst experiences in my life were the ones I learned the most from and the ones that I felt the most bliss from. And so, and so everyone is on their life path. And so if people do bad to you, is that, is that, don't allow them to do it. You know, don't be a Pollyanna and say, oh, it's going to be well, what's be. I mean, that might be your life path. So be it. Right. But don't let people do bad to you. When bad happens, let it go. Don't carry it with you. Let it go. Because that in the same way, the grief blocks your ability to have that, that those happy memories, you know, these other things cause blockages when you hate someone or yourself or you have anger towards yourself or somebody else. It stops you from finding the real meaning in your experiences. So experiences are everything. That's our reason for being here. So don't have hate or animosity towards anyone who brings you those bad experiences. Yeah, those those are extremely important lessons. And um you know, we experience them, uh, I guess, uniquely. You, you got some through the through the near-death experience, but they're kind of universal for people to have near-death experiences. They come back and they tell us these things, that we're all one, that that everything is good, everything's going to be fine, that these experience. And, and I think it's really important, especially as we're going through the trying times we're going through right now. We're, we're recording this for anybody who might be listening in the future. This is the end of November 2020. This, we were just joking before. You're kind of writing this year off. This is like the worst year ever for everybody. <laughs> Perfect um, opportunity for growth. <laughs> but it's a perfect opportunity for growth. And it's a time where a lot of people are having to sit down and be quiet and get and get still by force. Right. So it's a chance for us to to really take a, a deep look within and and to realize that the this too can be used for good. Yes, absolutely. It would, it would be a shame to go through all this and not to get value and wisdom out of it. Yeah, and exactly. And, you know, and with, and with the passing of your son, you know, that's something that that we share. And I work with an organization called Helping Parents Heal. And, oh. you know, all of our all of our we're all parents who have lost children. So, you know, and I love the way you said that it'd be a shame not to use this. You know, it's like it's yeah. not any, anything any of us would wish. You said, you know, you'd rather have your son back. I'd rather have my daughter back. Oh. But since this has happened, we need to use this for, you know, for, for good. It's, it's an opportunity for growth. Well, if there's any opportunity for us to, uh, if, if there's some, some, something that, that we could participate in some way to, to, um, to, to help your, your mission with your, with, with the parents. Yeah, group, yeah definitely. So we'll, please, we'll talk. Yeah. I would love to have on. you guys uh, be, be part of the group. Um, yeah, it's a great organization. I bet my daughter passed away five years ago. I've been in helping parents heal for four years. And uh, for, for, so anybody who's listening, you, my, my regular listeners hear me talk about it all the time, but it's a great organization, volunteer organization for parents who have lost children because oh, I said the word lost. We don't lose our children, but for parents whose children have transitioned, um, we get together and we support each other because it's, it's, it's so devastating. As you were saying, Kathy, losing anybody. But especially when you have a child transition, it just seems it's so out of order. 
Um, so I, I, your book, I think can help people. And it's great because I think people that are going through grief should study near-death experiences. There's so many lessons yeah. in near-death experiences and people who study near-death experiences can actually get some of the benefits from it. So I think your book is perfect because you've got both aspects in it. You've got the, you know, the, the passing of your son and you've got the, the experience that you had before that and how those two kind of tied together in your life. You know, and it also makes you think that, I mean, it, it does make me think that, uh, that, that is very purposeful. I don't believe that, that things are destined to happen. I think that there are likely outcomes, but, but, but the fact that I had this, this near death experience and this spiritual awakening, and then the loss of my son, and then the, the real spiritual awakening that, that if it wasn't for the near death experience, I don't know. I don't, I don't think I would have, no, no, I would have reacted a lot differently because mm-hmm. there's a lot of times, even now, uh, the, the gentleman who sold my, my son, the drugs was held responsible for, for his actions. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and people will often say, Oh, don't you wish you, that guy was, was executed or, or these horrible things, uh, were, what, what were to be happening to him? Mm-hmm. And, I tell him, no, no, I want him. I want him to be, I want him to have life. I want him to understand what he's done. I want him to have children. I want him to, to take care of the kids and feel the love. I want him to, to take his kid to wrestling and teach him how to play guitar and, and, to, and to watch him get married and have the kids and to make something out of this terrible thing. You know, I don't have hate or animosity towards you. And yeah. it's part of that that like is so liberating is that, is that to be free from that, I, I can never go back. I can't. Yeah. And that's, and that's a great perspective to have. As you said, we're, if we're cells in the body, then we, we shouldn't be hating on each other. Right. Because we're all part of the same body. So true. Yeah. And, and you're only taken away from yourself in the here and now too, as yeah. well as whatever may come afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so um, I'm a gonna... bit of advice to people who are sure. opening a new spiritual door. I like to, to explain it like a gym membership, like someone will read our book and they'll feel bliss for like a month because it's it's so helpful. But then that wanes. So we have to look at this like spirituality is a gym membership. You got to keep going back, read the book, join a group, do yoga, do meditation, watch inspiring YouTube videos, really keep that going. Because once you do that, more spiritual in- instances come to you. You re- meet the right people. You find yourself in a higher alignment and then you're just vibrating at a high level and, and all this wonder comes to you. So just keep at it. Like, don't just stop. Keep going. Yeah. Really, really hone that spiritual practice, just like you would do anything like education or, you know, your physical body. You have to weed the garden. You let it yeah. get away from you. It'll be a mess in a short time. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's excellent advice. Thank you, Kathy. Um, I want to let people know where they can reach you. So it's between here and there.org. Is that the best way to, to reach That's out? That's right. To we have Facebook, YouTube, and then, uh, and then uh, our email address is info at between here and there.org. And, uh, 
and and if you have anything you want to share or reach out to us in any way, just 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 send us a, an email and we'll and we'll get in contact with with, with you either through uh, through email or or texting or, or we'll, we'll give you a call. You, you know what? We're all in, in this life together, and as long as as long as we can help each other, it's good. It's good. I, when 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 I help other people. You feel it, you know, mm-hmm. even even when things aren't going well in your life, you, you, you know, to reach out to that, it's a it's it's, it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to tell you, uh, I want to give you guys a chance to say anything, any final words you might have. And you, you imparted so much wisdom. I'm not sure what you have left, but go ahead. Thank you. If if, if I were to just leave you with 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 two two Steve isms. <laughs> OK, sure. <laughs> is that life is good and people are good, even when very sad things happen. And and try to think about that and meditate on that and think about how could that be so, how that could be so and how that is so. And that life is good and people are good, even when very sad things happen. And that's really what that whole experience taught me and everything that's happened since, because that it, it is, it is. And the other thing that, uh, that um, uh, I want to say is that our experiences are everything. They are. And just and just make the most out of life. You know, a lot of times when spiritual people are going down the spiritual path, all of a sudden they stop living life and they want to go on the mountain and own all day. And and cool, that's your life path, but experience life. That's why you're here. Great. Thank you. Kathy, anything you want to add? Yeah, I would just like to say that um we're we're here to love. All the ascended masters said the same thing, whether it was Buddha or Jesus. The purpose of life is to learn to receive love and to give love. Mm-hmm. And, and if we could all just really think about that and live from our heart center and spread that out, that's that would make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. So I just want to share that. And I just really also want to stress that when people contact us, we we do want to help like they don't feel that we're putting us off we get so many messages we answer every single one we've had face-to-face meetings with people if they're local and they're just grieving we don't want anyone to suffer so if there's anything we could do just please reach out either on um on facebook on youtube just anyway email just please don't don't suffer Thank you. Thank you. That, that's very generous. It's very generous of, of what you guys offer. And I, I really appreciate what you're doing. It's been great getting to to meet both of you guys and, and have this conversation. And, and, we, and, we, and we love you. And thank you so much for your message and bringing this peace to people through your through your message and through our shared experience and, and losing a child and still being able to put one foot in front of the other and help other people heal. You know, very, I feel your, your energy and Kathy and I, we both love you and we want to encourage you and, and we're, we're, we're glad to be into this, uh, into this spirit and into this life with you and your wife and, and all the people that that's part of your life. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. It's been really great meeting you guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed the episode. I want to make it really easy for you to reach me. So just send me a text to 31996 and simply text the word growth, G-R-O-W-T-H. In fact, you can right now just say, hey, Siri, send a message to 31996. And when Siri asks you what you want to send, just say growth. You can do the same thing with OK Google. Thanks a lot. Have a wonderful day. 
Thanks for listening to Grief to Growth. Brian hopes that you find this episode helpful and will come back for future episodes. Brian's best-selling book, Grief to Growth, Planted Not Buried, is a great resource for anyone who is coping with grief or knows someone who is. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support it, there are three things you can do to help. The first is to share the podcast with someone that you think it will help. The second is to go to iTunes, rate, and review the episode. The third way you can support the podcast is by becoming a patron. Head over to www.patreon.com slash grief to growth. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash grief, the number two, growth, and sign up to make a small monthly donation. Patrons get access to exclusive bonus content and knowledge that you are helping to spread the message of grief to growth. For more about Brian and grief to growth, visit www.grief2growth.com. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.